Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden and natural world. I'm your host, Misty Little. Before we launch into today's episode, I wanted to make a slight programming note. This podcast will be releasing episodes monthly for the next several months. I've taken on another project at the last minute and find myself focusing on that. I'm writing a book. Okay, so it's nothing spectacular, but I've always wanted to complete a National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, and I find myself a little more than halfway through a 50,000 word book already. So in order to get this done, I've had to shuffle some priorities, and the podcast is one of them. All right, today's guest is Jen McGinnis, gardener, blogger, and garden writer, whose recent book, Micro Food Gardening, debuted earlier this year. If you've been around the garden blogging world over the last decade, you were probably already familiar with Jen, whose blog is known as Frau Zinni, where she shares wonderful garden photos and articles in and around her home in Connecticut. Jen joins the podcast today to talk about micro food gardening, what exactly it entails, and how she managed to get this book written during the beginning stages of the pandemic last year, and what she hopes gardeners of all types will take away from the book. All right, on to my conversation with Jen. So thank you, Jen, for coming on the podcast. I received your book, The Micro Food Gardening, Project Plans and Plants for Growing Fruits and Veggies in Tiny Spaces earlier this year. And I flipped through it and I, you know, I've been familiar with your blog and you on social media for, I don't know, five, six years now anyway. So it's kind of good that we're actually getting to chat for the first time. Yes, it's, it's awesome to finally be able to talk to you, um, not in person, but virtually. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you got a copy of the book and that you were enjoying it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here today, too. Yeah, perfect. Well, if you just want to inter- start by introducing yourself, you know, who you are, you know, where you garden and your gardening zone. I think if, if you've been around the gardening world, like I said, you've got a blog that's been going for, you know, a decade now. Uh, so people who've been gardening probably might be familiar, but if someone's listening, they might not know who you are. If you know, just tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Um, so I garden in Connecticut um, in Northeast, you know, US. I'm in zone 6B and my blog is Frau Zinni. Um, when I first came up with the gardening blog, I wanted something that would be kind of catchy. So I was trying to figure out a way to like translate uh, Mrs. Zinnia into German because <laughs> half of my background is German. The other half is Irish. So okay. um, so that's kind of like a nod to, to that side. Um, and then it just you know, it became like a talking point in itself when I would go to flower shows and interview like, you know, the, um, the exhibit gardeners there. And they would be like, wait, what, what do you call what? (laughs) (laughs) And then it kind of became like its own persona. And, you know, I uh, don't just share what's happening in my garden. I always feel like with gardening, there's so much to learn and you never stop learning. So one of the great opportunities the blog has um, given me is the ability to, to connect with other garden authors and experts and uh, getting their viewpoints on there too. So I've been lucky to have interviews with certain, like certain authors, experts. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been really fun and I really enjoy doing it. Um, yeah, you have seem to have a pretty diverse, uh, I guess, gardening background. Like you kind of talk about anything and everything. You're not niche to anything in particular, but is there anything that you prefer to when you're gardening? Um, well, I think my interests are definitely torn between the edible side and the ornamental side because, you know, I love to grow my own food, but then I really love pretty flowers. Um, and I think that's <laughs> the photographer in me. So <laughs> one of the challenges I've had is, you know, trying to 
to make food look pretty too. Um, because I want to give, you know, tomatoes and lettuce and cucumbers their fair share of the, yes. <laughs> of the Instagram account as well. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, those dahlias and zinnias, they're always stealing the show, especially, you know, with the butterflies. So, so yeah, I'm kind of torn in, in both of those areas. And I have gotten into houseplants much more, I would say, you know, in the last two or three years. And I'm sure that's consistent with a lot of other, yes. <laughs> other individuals. Um, my mom was really into house plants when I was growing up, but I, you know, like I was familiar with the plants and they were like always around, but I was always drawn to be outside. So now I feel like, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I kind of see why she was into this. Like it's, it's connecting for me more now. <laughs> yes. Well, I think on your blog, you mentioned that you, you grew up in a very gardening family and I think in Queens or the New York city area. And, yeah, exactly. um, and, but it wasn't until you came to Connecticut where you really started doing your own gardening. So how did that background get you into it? To begin yeah. With? Well, um, that's great. Cause like when you think of Queens, you know, you think of like, cement and paved over parks and I mean we do have some green areas but not not like up here in in Connecticut yeah <laughs> not, not not showing any you know distant to my New York but <laughs> it's definitely a different area but I I still found a way to enjoy nature in New York my grandfather he had like a small garden that was right on top of the Long Island Railroad tracks um and that doesn't sound too safe but it it, it was like you know distanced enough um, so you, he would have his tomatoes and he'd be making his own wine from his grapes and he'd be growing cucumbers and then he'd grow his pumpkins, like, you know, kind of going closer to, the, to yes. the track, you know, trying to get as much space as he could. Um, and my dad always was trying to grow in our little backyard too in Queens. Cause I was one of the lucky ones. I, I had like a little yard in the back. Um, but a lot of my friends, you know, I was surrounded by apartment buildings and they only had, you know, a balcony or maybe like a, a postage stamp front yard um, mm -hmm. that they had access to. But, you know, we were always outside playing um, and I just loved connecting with just being in the garden. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's just something that I grew up with. And uh, when I went to Connecticut for school and later my job, I was living in an apartment building for several years and then we finally were able to buy our own home. And that's when I, I went crazy out front. Like I started ripping up the lawn, like immediately. And my neighbors were like, oh my God, who is this woman? Like, <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> no, I, you mentioned just the, the folks in New York city or in and around the city, just making do with what they have, but the gardens I've seen, you know, whether they're balcony rooftop or, or, or a tiny little postage stamp, you know, front yard, like they pack it in, they really do maximize what they've got. And that has always been impressive for me to see. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes when you're presented with that challenge for space, like you really start um, thinking about how you're going to conquer it, right? Like, okay, I only have a vertical wall. What can I <laughs> what can I grow in a study wall? And then, you know, you finally you get these ideas. And um, yeah, there's a lot of great inspiration. I mean, even like the High Lime in New York. I don't know if you've yes, been I've never that. No, I've never been, but I it's, I would love to. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I love I love visiting that. I've been there about um three times. I think I've I just haven't been there in the winter yet, but every season's different and it's just a great experience. Like you're in the middle of 
of New York and you know, you have cone flowers and grasses and it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, you settled into Connecticut, you sat, you know, a typical, you know, I guess a suburban type of yard and you had this space and, and you have this great blog, but how did, you know, micro food gardening, you're not, I mean, you do have that experience in the background from growing up and, and, you know, friends and family, but you know, you're not a micro food gardener per se now. So how did that happen? That's, I mean, fascinating. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, because a lot of my full sun areas here are in the driveway. Um, and that's like a totally paved area. And I had to get creative with how I use that space. So that's where I started to like tap in with, um, like my previous background of like, okay, what, what type of containers would work here? Um, what can I move to the available light? What can I grow like right along the driveway where that sun is? And then I think it was just like experimenting with things. And then I luckily just happened to meet someone um, in the publishing industry and, and they uh, were, they liked my background and the blog writing I was doing. And we, we had conversations and um, the idea of microfood gardening just sounded great. Like the concept of coming up with project ideas for growing food in tiny spaces. So I was lucky enough to make the cut. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, did you have to put together a full proposal and all of that, or were you just able to kind of launch into writing the book? So I did have to um, put together an outline and I worked with my editor on that. Um, There were some projects that didn't make the cut because they were either like too simple or, um, you know, when I started researching it more, I was like, oh no, that would really wouldn't work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so like all the projects that are in the book, I, I did grow. I, I photographed. That was like another challenge was not only was I writing, um, I had to grow those plants and then make sure they looked good. So they were ready for photographs. So it was really stressful in, in the spring <laughs> <laughs> and early summer because I was like growing multiples of the same project just in case um, something happened. And, right, right. Um, like my potatoes actually had an encounter with the raccoons because, you know, why wouldn't they just come over and... <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, like all the photos in the book are mine except for like one picture of potatoes because mine... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I, I redid it this year because I was like, I'm making those potatoes work. So I was, I grew even more window boxes this year and, and I was so happy when it worked out and no raccoons interfered. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about having to back up, have backup projects or duplicate that 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 makes total sense but I didn't think of yeah wow (laughs) yeah yeah I um I grew like multiples of the same variety of micro tomatoes for example just to just to make sure I had some options for photos and you know like it it was a little crazy um yeah (laughs) but it was fun it was fun (laughs) so so like how long did it take for you to put this together were you was it like a full you know gardening season or was it over the course of a year uh so I would say it was like half the year was spent in the planning stages where I was finalizing the outline and um making sure that you know, it like all the projects would make sense. And then when I got the go ahead to start writing, that was like around March or April, I believe, I think March. Um, and then at that time it was like full speed ahead. Um, but I had the added challenge that we got <laughs> shut down for the pandemic. Oh no. Yeah. So I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to make these projects? And like, we're under lockdown. So 
Um, yeah, <laughs> I got creative. The UPS guy got to know me really well. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> he was awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and you know, like, I think it was also nice to focus on that during that time because everything was, you know, crazy and stressful and I, we don't have to go into, into the COVID pandemic stuff. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, It was definitely like a great way to channel all that nervous energy. And yeah, I, I think then everything had to be wrapped up by early summer and I had like a little longer to submit photos, but the writing I think had to be done by July. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was, it was intense. It was a lot of long weekends, a lot of long nights. Um, yes. <laughs> stayed away for a while. Cause he was like, like, I, I just couldn't even talk. Like I was just writing and writing and he was just like, I, I gotta leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like, I feel like the pandemic was part of it was a catch 22. It was probably good. You had like maybe some extra time to write, but at the same time you were, you know, in a lurch with the projects. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, I just made finding things a little harder because I originally was thinking like, Oh, I'm going to go all these secondhand shops. And then uh, they were all closed. It was like, Oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> How am I going to make this work? <laughs> so you mentioned you garden, I guess, but your edible garden kind of stuff in the, the the driveway. So obviously this book is for more than just people who are, you know, they have a, an apartment balcony or they have, you know, a tiny little spot, you know, in a community garden situation. So how did you approach when you're writing this book? How did you think of the projects to scale for not just the people who are strictly micro food gardening, but people who want to add like micro food gardening into like their typical, you know, they've got three acres or, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say my first, my first objective was, was choosing projects that would feature those tiny plants. Um, so anything that is, um, I should know this off the top of my head <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is 18 inches or smaller when it reaches that full harvest size. Um, and some of those vines, they might get like a little bit bigger because, you know, they trail, but they can go up like a trellis, but they still produce those little mini sized fruits. Mm -hmm. So that was the basis. Like every project had to complement those plants, but we didn't want to get too specific into the plants because sometimes, you know, it's hard to source seeds. Um, and you don't want someone to get like fixated on like one variety. And then it, they're like, well, I can't do this because I don't have this type of tomato. Um, so we, like I gave the general guidelines, like, here's what you're looking for when you're shopping for seeds or growing plants. Like these are the dimensions you, you would need. And then it was kind of like, all right, where can we put a garden? <laughs> um, can it be in a sunny walkway? Can it be hanging off of a shed? Uh, a bicycle basket. So that that was the really fun part. Was like, where can we where can we make things grow? Right. <laughs> Tabletops. There was uh, I created a lettuce table just for like just something fun. Like I just thought like, would this work? And then it did. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm so glad it worked. <laughs> yeah. Or you take like a picture frame and you attach like the the table legs and you put in chicken wire so you make this living table as opposed to just growing lettuce on top of a table your lettuce is in the table, in the table. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting interesting yeah so does did you find that micro food gardening kind of differs from a typical container gardening or are they pretty similar like I guess when you guys like maintenance and, and and care of the plants in a way yeah so some of the 
basics for container gardening will apply, right? Like um, fertilizer, you know, you're watering those containers and the nutrients will either be used up or they'll, they'll leach out. So you have to be good about fertilizing. Um, but I like, to be honest, like I don't fertilize regularly, you know, so I like, didn't want to make things that would be reliant on that. And I'm also like very much into the organics. So, um, you know, I, I'd go into like the different things you can add to the soil, um, you know, like compost, worm castings, as you're putting things together that would help feed those plants Mm -hmm. for, I think the size of the plants and like really assessing that space and trying to find what would grow in like those really tight spaces is what makes it uh, more unique than container gardening because container gardening can, you know, encompass like huge, huge planting. So this one's like kind of very like a niche area of it. Yeah. Yeah. And as, I know you said you didn't really get into the nitty gritty of like mentioning specific, you know, seed varieties. I mean, you do list out some certain plants along the way, but even though you didn't mention any specific varieties, did you com- come across anything that worked better or worse? Or was it just such a quick process that, and you know, with the pandemic, you couldn't, those options just weren't there. Like, oh yeah. So, um, <laughs> I am a seed hoarder, <laughs> <laughs> so that helped a lot. Um, just the fact that I, <laughs> you had seeds. seeds. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I also had the opportunity years ago, I think it was in 2017 to go out to California for the vegetable trials. I was sponsored by the national garden bureau as a plant nerd. Um, and it was this whirlwind trip. It was like four or five days, uh, where we got to tour like all these different farms and, and see what the breeders were creating. And it was at that point in time where I started to learn about these like smaller varieties that were starting to come to the market for the home gardener. So they were onto something. They were like, yeah, we know we need like more compact varieties. And that's when you start, I started to see more like the, the tiny container, um, tomatoes, you know, like the little birdie series came out Mm -hmm. around that time. So I think like having that in the back of my head helped too. And then I, uh, when I was doing the outline, I was already starting to think of like what varieties would work. So I was able to get some of my seed orders in early before I went crazy. And yeah, and right. <laughs> so that was, that was very, uh, a good stroke of luck on my point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, there was definitely some plants that like I grew, that I just didn't work. So, you know, I, I didn't include them as recommendations, but ones that I was like really impressed with, I found a way to, to sneak those in, in just like little, little bits. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So I know you mentioned coming up with these projects and when you're doing your outline, but where did you draw the inspiration from? I know you said you were looking everywhere, like, Hey, can we try this? But I mean, really, was that it? Just like looking around and seeing like, I'm just going to try to grow this in here. (laughs) <laughs> so some things, um, I had, I was tasked with, like I was, I had to grow something vertically. I, so I was like trying to think of what could work for that. And that's when I came up with the project for the hanging, um, garden. And that was with the, um, the macrame. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah. That. And then I ended up teaching myself some macrame in the process <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, I need to make this work. Um, so that was like some scenarios I was, presented with. And then like, I knew I wanted to include certain things, but I need to be able to grow, grow something on them. And that like an example is the rain barrel. Um, like I really wanted to do a rain barrel, but you could, I couldn't just like place the plant on top. Like I had to incorporate 
it into the structure. So that's how I came up with the living wreath to go on top of the rain barrel. Um, So I was like challenged, like if I came up with something that was almost a little too easy, my publisher was like, no, no, (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll make that a little harder. (laughs) Right. Right. So I I would say like, you know, there was definitely um, my, my editor was great. And um, there was a lot of back and forth in the development stage. Um, And there were some things where, you know, I was just ruminating on it for, for weeks. And then we'd be in the middle of dinner and I'd be like, that's how I'm going to do it. And, and my husband would be like, what? what? Oh, we're talking about the book again. <laughs> okay. It was a constant year round, your thoughts process there. Yes, <laughs> it was. Uh, well, okay. I do skip ahead a little bit to go to a question that I had written further down. You mentioned that your editor wanted you were coming up with things that maybe sound a little too simple and they're like, make it a little bit harder. But I do want to know, is like, is this, are these projects pretty simple that it could be done in a few hours or are they over a weekend? Like what's the time frame for these or, and like, what kind of do people need special tools or are they able to adapt and use what they have at home? Sure. So I was trying to incorporate a variety of projects that would use traditional garden planters, right? So we have like window boxes in there, but then items that could be repurposed. So that's uh, like a nod to like the mason jars and and things you can find in the secondhand store. Uh, And then there are some things that you just um, have to create from scratch, like the cucumber tower. So something like the cucumber tower, I would say is probably closer to a weekend project and you need somebody to help you with it just because you have to hold the uh, PVC pipe up and have the rocks poured in. And um, it's just a little bit yeah. hard to do yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say like some are good, like family projects. Uh, some, you know, there are steps that should only be done by adults. Like uh, when you're using the PVC cutter, um, you know, an adult should do that part. But I would say there's definitely a range the, uh, for the warm season and cool season projects where you can do something relatively quickly, like the salsa garden where you already have the plants started and you just pop them into the container and, and, you know, keep, keep an eye on them and let them grow. And then there's something like, uh, you know, like we were saying before the cucumber tower where it needs a little bit more, more work. Right. 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 Now, have you kept up with any of these projects in your garden since then, or, or have you let go yeah. of you? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so I, I did do the cucumber tower again, um, the strawberry cake stand, the bicycle basket, the head planters, because they're just so much fun. Um, and now I'm definitely looking for more head planters everywhere <laughs> just to see what type of edible hair we can, I can give them with. I know they always get paired with house plants, but, um, I really like putting in like kale or, or, t- or time for, for hair, you know? <laughs> yeah, I would say the time. I really like the time. I found a really cool woolly time at our nursery last, a week or two ago. And it's, I think it'd be really cool. When planter yeah, like yeah. It's like, it really plays on that creativity. And I think that was like the best part about the book is that it, it married uh, creativity and gardening and um, just fun all together. Yes, know? yes, yes. <laughs> Now, you mentioned the Strawberry Tower. That was my favorite project in there. I don't know. It, it just, it looks so pretty and delicious. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you want to talk about, can you talk a little bit about that project and what it entails? Yeah, sure. So that one um, is a nod back to my days as a pastry chef when I would have to make wedding cakes and, um, you know, all those crazy things the brides want. And 
when I was coming up with the project ideas, I really liked the idea of having like that tiered cake look, but as a plant. Um, so I was like, how am I going to make that work? And then um, I realized that I could grow in the cake pans and, you know, drill a hole in the middle and secure them. So that way they would be uh, suspended at the correct height with the, I think it's lug nuts. So that was another one of those things I was like sketching and sketching. And then finally I was like, I think it'll work. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, it's like, the trick is like finding the Alpine strawberries. You can grow them from seed. Um, It's going to take a little bit longer, but if you go to your um, independent garden center at the very beginning of spring, they usually have the Alpine strawberries in stock. So I was looking for like the smallest plants to pop in there. So that way they could just kind of grow into the, into the, the cake stand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you could also add some sweet alyssum in there too, if you want to like give it a oh, little, that would be nice. There. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, it was fun. Um, just because I'm in a cold area, I did pop mine out at the end of the growing season to, and put them in like a larger container just for overwintering. But you know, they lasted the whole growing season out on the tabletop in their cake stand. So that was really fun. It was, it was a fun project to do. <laughs> yeah. And you have it, you have it on a little uh, like garden table. It'd be really nice on a, you know, bigger table as a centerpiece. It's again, it was one of the standout projects, I think. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it would be super um, for, you know, if people have baby showers or just yeah. out- outdoor garden parties, like something different for a display. Yeah. Um, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you mentioned you really liked the, uh, the head planters, but was there any other projects that, kind of were your, were your favorites that you like to showcase? Oh yeah. Um, well, I mentioned before the, the fingerling potatoes, that was really easy to put together. And, um, I got a good amount of potatoes just from growing them in a window box. So that's definitely something you can grow, um, you know, on a balcony or in a, in a tight spot, like a walkway. And, uh, I really like the lettuce bicycle basket too. And I think that's, I don't know, like the, the total girly girl in me that was like, oh, <laughs> you know, how, why do the flowers get all the, all the credit for the bicycle baskets? So it was nice to put the the baby greens in there and um, they look really pretty too. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, lo- it looks really nice. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. And, and then, you know, like um, some things like that are kind of utilitarian like the gutter garden that one was fun to make and put my shed to work you know make it actually have a spot right <laughs> <or> something <laughs> right and it's just not you know not just being a shed it's being useful <laughs> right <laughs> right right well I guess is there anything else you'd like folks to know about this book that if you know if they're a beginning gardener is it, well I guess that actually is a good place to start is there anything on here that's really good for a beginning gardener or they or do you think they're all good for beginning gardeners um well I was really hoping that the projects would get people excited about growing plants and you know start thinking about like what you like to eat and what could possibly be um transferred into into growing on your own so in the beginning of the book I do share the basics um of how to evaluate your space that you have uh, for lighting and then taking into consideration like the soil and, and the watering, um, and a little bit of the fertilizer too. So I do give that basics up in in the front for, for the new gardeners, seasoned gardeners, you know, they might skip ahead and just go right to the projects, but I was hoping that 
seasoned gardeners might try something different that they haven't tried before. Like maybe you've never grown bok choy and this is your like, yeah. okay, let's try it. Let's do bok choy and see yes. what happens. <laughs> so I, I think there's something in there for everyone, but I would say there's definitely simpler projects too. Like, you know, the thought of starting seeds is really like, okay, I, I just needed to grow. I can't start it from seed. You can totally have like do one of the projects where you plant um plant starts from the nursery and then you just have to maintain it throughout the growing season and then if you're more adventurous of course you can start your seeds under grow lights and get into that hole yes <laughs> that gets sucked into all of that <laughs> yes <laughs> well it's, it's coming around the corner from us i i think tomato season starting is january for us down here in texas so i'm getting got to get on the ball with that. Excellent. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was going to try and do micro tomatoes inside over the winter. That's my new challenge to myself this, this year. That would be um, exciting. Yeah. I want to, I just want to see how it goes because I'm so used to just growing them outside with the heat. So I, I was like, yeah, l- let me try it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So will where you, will you plant it near like a windowsill or a heater or how would you, how would so you manage that? I, I do have a grow light set up. Um, so I would probably use my heat pan to get the seeds okay. started, um, just to give them that bottom heat to get them to sprout and be happy. Uh, but as soon as they sprout, I usually take them off the heat pad. Um, you don't need one, but it just kind of speeds up the germination. Yeah. And then uh, I'm thinking just under the grow lights. And then when they get big enough to be probably like four five inches tall, I'll, I'll transfer them into their individual pots because those micro tomatoes do really well in those little, um, terracotta pots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can grow as small as like six inch pots with some of those oh, wow. varieties. Yeah. So it's, it's really nice and compact. And, um, a lot of them will give you a good amount of fruit too, which is, is nice yeah. <laughs> for how little it is. And they harvest quick too, cause they don't have to grow to like, you know, right. Right. <laughs> right. And you're not waiting for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, do you have any other books uh, under your sleeve or ideas that, that you would like to do in the future? Um, I, I definitely have some ideas that I'm kicking around. So I, I think I got to think about them a bit more before I start, you know, going back out and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. my publisher wants to work with me again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I would, I would love to write another book. Um, it was such a great experience and I, I think I, you know, would go into it totally different this time just because I, I've done one. So I, I think it'd be a little different. Maybe I don't think I'll say easier because I, I yeah, right. Different projects have different problems. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was definitely something I would love to try and do again. So fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I think you have enough in your blog to, to mine ideas from for sure. And, um, I, I can't wait to see what, what comes in the future. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, well, so where, where can folks buy the book now? I mean, I would assume Amazon and all of those good places, but is there any, do you sell it on your website or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, like you said, Amazon has it. Um, I have a great independent local bookstore called Riverbend Bookshop and they have me come in and autograph copies and they ship them out. So that's like a great way if, you know, people want like something inscribed with like a specific message. Yeah. I can go over and, and do that. They'll, they'll set that all up. Um, and then, you know, there's also Barnes and Noble and, 
Um, I don't have it set up on my website, but you know, I've, I've been partnering with Riverbend and, and it's been working out really well. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really cool. I mean, that's really cool to be able to do that. Yeah. They're, they're super supportive in the spring. We had um, a special like author talk, like part author talk, part gardening lesson. And it was just really cool. And that was, that was all on zoom. Um, yeah. So they've been really supportive and great. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have any final gardening thoughts? I mean, we didn't really talk too much about your garden, but if you want to talk about like, I know things are winding down, especially for you guys up there, but any good plans coming up for spring that you are looking forward to? Yeah. So, um, I have to admit I'm dabbling more into daylilies, which I know they, they don't really help anybody. No, <laughs> they're, they're foreign, whatever. Um, but I, I do love like the ruffled petals and everything. So, um, I, I do have a little bit more room for those and, uh, I'm trying to, at the same time, they'll balance it out with some more plants that will keep the pollinators happy. Um, sort of like, I'm sorry, there's a day lily, but here's a light. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. And, you know, I'm also working on incorporating more plants that will support the, um, wildlife in the area. Like I love having the birds in the yard. Um, I feed them year round, uh, with the feeders, but sometimes, you know, I, I give it a break in the summer and they just rely on the food that's in the yard. Like they usually get my blueberries and elderberries before yeah, <laughs> before yeah. I can get out there. So yeah, like I, I just really want to keep building that up and I, I probably shouldn't buy any more seeds this year. I probably should just grow what I have. <laughs> I just, I just bought seeds and then Prairie Moon sends an email saying there's, they have their $2 seed packets and I'm just oh. like, I don't need more seeds, but I can't resist. <laughs> 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 right right because there's always some new variety and even if it's not like a a new plant um it might be a new plant to you right so right right <laughs> well and, and i mean you know frau zinni here i want to get into zinnias better i mean i've grown zinnias in the past but not you know not any of the really cool ones and i've there's a uh, flower uh, gardener farm in uh, Austin that I, I follow and they've, they've been, been a guest on the podcast before and they grew, grow some really cool zinnias. And so I tried last year that didn't have much success, but this year we, we've redone all of our garden beds and I'm really, I'm going to, I'm going to grow zinnias. <laughs> so, oh, so I, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they love to be um, like in large beds. I found like when I try to plant them like onesie twosie, they don't, I feel like they don't do as well. They like need the company of yeah. They, <laughs> the whole they seem, it seems like they flop over a lot more. And yeah, I agree with that. That's yeah, nice. yeah. But they're um those queen lime ones are are so pretty. Yes. Yeah. There's one um that's like a yellow red uh, orange. It's called Zowie, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And that one's like really striking too. So yeah, there's something for for everyone. Um, I. I always say I'm just going to, you know, do a whole thing down the driveway of just zinnias, but then, then I'm like, oh, but where am I going to put all my, <laughs> <laughs> everything else, my everything, <laughs> the, you know, the cucumbers, yeah. <laughs> so it's that balancing act, but yes, yes, I, great. Good luck with uh, the zinnias. There's so many to choose from. There's tall ones, short ones, <laughs> you know, I just found a several that I liked and I, we're going to try it out. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I have better luck starting them indoors up here. Yeah. Um, because we have a shorter growing season as opposed to starting them outside. Yeah. Right. Right. Is that free, true for you too? Um, no, no, I have never started them inside. I don't know. Most people just direct sow them in like March 
Okay. And yeah, you can, I mean, I, I've direct sewed them in as late as June and we have such a long growing season that, you know, that's usually fine. Yeah. That sounds great. I can't yeah. even imagine being able to <laughs> do yeah, that. It, it sounds it, fabulous. <laughs> it can be, it can be a problem because like I said, you just have this such a long growing season. And by the time you're like, I'm just tired. Like my garden now, like it looks tired, but it's still going to be, usually we get our first frost in early December. So Okay. Although, so sometimes we get a little bit earlier than that and but usually it's early December so I, I've got only about two months of rust <laughs> and it's grow 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 <laughs> yeah we usually get our frost like at the end of October but it, it was late this year yeah. um, so we had a little bit more of a season um which is you know great but at the same time we're like oh god like is that that okay <laughs> right right yeah because things are changing so much yeah totally (laughs) well where can people find you online you can talk about your website and any um you know all your social media places yeah so um i i think i'm almost everywhere (laughs) (laughs) so i'm a garden blogger on frowzini.com um i'm on instagram facebook YouTube and now TikTok as Frozen. I just saw that. I saw you post that. <laughs> yeah, it's we'll we'll see if I'm hip enough for it. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm also on Twitter, but um, my Twitter account is Jen M Gardens. That's the only one that's not <laughs> not Frozen. <Okay>. Right. <laughs> Do you have any upcoming speaking engagements, or is there? I mean, I'm sure a lot of stuff is still probably you know remote, but but there might be something that's uh, in person. Yeah, I'm uh, starting to get some inquiries from like garden clubs. So I have one already set up for March uh, that I'm really excited about doing. And that's in Connecticut. And uh, there's been talk about like another um, Zoom presentation for for another garden club. So I'm kind of like keeping my ear out to see see what's available. I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen with the flower shows this year. Like if we're going to go back to you know, normal sort of. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. I'm totally open to it. So (laughs) yeah, of course, (laughs) of course. I know a lot of authors had a hard year or almost two years. So it would be good to be able to get out and share your work. Yeah, it would, it would definitely be different. Um, to actually talk about the book in person, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on here to talk about the book and, you know, share the projects and talk a little bit about your garden again. You know, I may have to try the strawberry. I don't, I don't even know if I can find Alpine strawberries around here, but if I can, I might try that strawberry cake stand because it's really cute. Awesome. I would love to see it. (laughs) so well thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with me and um yeah it's been great thank you so much for having me and i had i had so much fun talking gardening with you i'd love to do it again (laughs) yeah for sure for sure that's it for this episode i hope you found something interesting in the conversation that will lead you to try a little micro food gardening yourself show notes for the episode where to buy jen's book are at the gardenpathpodcast.com where you can also sign up for the podcast newsletter that's it for now happy gardening and i'll talk to you all next month